One out, nobody on. The payoff to Murphy. Left-hand batter, strike three call. To the knees and right down the middle of the plate. But down, Murphy. Some games go on for a long time. This one's still going on in my mind. And welcome to episode nine of the Autobot podcast. My name is Justin Vibber, and as always, I'm joined by Chad Young and Niv Shaw. On this episode, we're going to be discussing the shortstop position. Um, but before we get into that positional detail, I know there was a couple quick things that Niv wanted to talk about, so I'll kick it over to you, Niv. Thanks, Justin. Uh, just real quick, I wanted to mention that on the forums, we have uh, a post up that over... It just gives an overview of what's going on with the shortened season, uh, what kind of rules will be changed, how the games caps, uh, innings caps will be changed, and ha- how your rosters will be affected by the COVID-19 IL. Um, so just check out community.autonew.com and take a peek there and just make sure that you're aware of what's going in, what, what it's going to look like going into 2020, and your league is aware so you guys can make the correct, uh, the correct choices and the correct decisions uh, to handle this weird, weird season. All right. Um, Chad, why don't we start with you? Because I know how much you like to talk about Indians players. So we're going to start <laughs> with the top of the shortstop position. Uh, is, there, is there any name that you might want to mention first? So there's this guy, uh, you probably haven't heard of him. He's, he's sort of a young kid, still coming up. No, uh, I'm, yeah, th- there's a ton of top shortstops. There's a lot of guys we're spending money on. I think, I, I think Lindor is, uh, Lindor is my choice for where I, where I spend that money. Um, now is that shortstop? Is that the same as saying he's your top shortstop or just that he's your top target based on price well, to performance? given that his uh his average value in first year leagues or average salary in first year leagues is the highest at the position yeah um if he's my target even if it's based on value uh i think he has to be my top shortstop i don't think there's any other way i could spin that that's where you want to spend your money he's in a virtual tie with with bregman but yeah right i mean that's the thing is if i'm if i'm choosing to spend on him over bregman I will say I found that I'm surprised by the average salary. I believe in the leagues that I've drafted, Bregman's gone for more than Lindor. Yeah, um, I, would have I didn't think they were that close. Yeah, I would have expected Bregman to be higher, but I guess... Um, I'm really surprised by that as well. Um, it, like, It's not like it's not clear-cut. It's really close. Uh, and I think like value-wise, it's pretty close in terms of production, what you're going to get from both of them, but... But, but, yeah, but you, Bregman just seems like a, a higher profile player nationally, right? I mean, well, I think it's also called. I, I think the other difference is that um, when you look at that first year leagues only, if you if you leave it on all game types, they're, they're about even. But if you switch it over to Fangraphs only, Bregman is about four dollars higher. So I think I think sense. Lindor is getting a little bit of a like a five by five bump, stolen base um, boost. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, if you if you control for that, and if you were just talking about points or four by four. Um, 
I think Bregman is is going for more. Well, like our four by four league that we recently drafted, Justin. That's exactly what it was. It was forty five for Bregman, forty one for Lindor. Yeah. Um, and I do think I, I think what's what's driving it for me. Part of it is um, part of it is yeah. I do. I did expect him to go less than Bregman, and he he generally has in my leagues, which which is part of it. The other is um, I don't think Bregman's going to like turn into a pumpkin or anything like that, but. The the trash can thing does have me a little bit spooked on the the Astros, and so um, I don't think that there needs to be like a huge discount on them or anything like that. But I'm also not sure I want to be the one to spend on them. Uh, right. I think it's like it, it wouldn't take a lot for you know a handful of pitches a year to have converted swings and misses into home runs. Um, which is, you know, a, a pretty can be a pretty significant swing over the course of the season, uh, and I just don't know. You know, we talk about like what will happen if this guy, you know, he had his home run for fly ball rate was a little elevated, and so what happens when some of those fly balls turn into you know singles or doubles or ho- or, or outs instead of home runs? Like, what happens if a couple of you know a handful of I knew that was going to be a slider and I crushed it turn into, I didn't know it was going to be a slider. And so I watched it come back over the plate or I swung at it and swung through it, or I chopped it back to the pitcher or something like that. I don't think it's going to be, uh, especially massively alter their performance, but could it move you from, you know, the top shortstop to the fourth shortstop, third shortstop, especially in a position where there's so many top guys. So many guys. Yeah. 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 It could serve as a tiebreaker where you're, you know, you you really it was a toss up either way, but now you're just deciding to to use that as a tie breaking situation. I, I I get it. I I think the concern is real. I think that people are right to to wonder what effect that might have on on all the Astros this year, especially the the top performing Astros like Bregman and and we're going to talk about Correa later probably and and George Springer. Um, I get it. I mean, I don't. It's so. I mean, I don't know how you quantify that beyond just using it as a tiebreaker. So for me, and Bregman's still my top shortstop. I, I think there's nothing. There's nothing in his history and pedigree that tells me that he's not for real. I mean, maybe he did get some benefit from from that situation, but I think he's still right in that mix. Um, and for me, he's still the top shortstop. And I mean, Lindor obviously is right up there as well. Another guy that I really like is Trevor Story, mostly because of his park. Um, And I think Glaber Torres, even though it pains me to say that, um, is right in that mix as well. Um, And I think he could be a guy that has another. I mean, he's already basically been performing really well, but maybe he has a secondary breakout that puts him into that that elite upper echelon tier. Um, because I think that the talent is there for labor. So I think one thing that's worth noting, uh, this is not a new specific thing, uh, because we're going to keep eligibility from the past going forward. Uh, that's another year of Machado, uh, having shortstop. Yeah. And that's just, um, I mean, Machado is a known quantity, right? And he is probably not up to the Bregman Lindor bar, but he's got to be in that conversation, right? Of, of top shortstops where you're worth spending money. But if you can find him, I mean, like he's not, not someone you want to spend $40 on, but if you can find him at like, you know, 
where where is he going for anywhere from like 17 to 30 like that seems and you get another year shortstop out of him so 2021 the whole season he'll be a shortstop for first year leagues he's at 32 to 33 and I, I don't know that seems a little high like i look at the guys who are just behind him and like glaber torres is you know 40 cents less or something like that uh xander bogarts is a couple bucks less I'd rather have either one than Machado easily. I, I agree. And then you start to get into like Ketel Marte at 28, Javier Baez at 27, 28. Um, I, I'm not sure if I'd rather have Machado or them. Maybe that's sort of the group he belongs in. It's close. I, I'd rather have Marte than Machado, but I think I'd slightly prefer Machado to Baez. But it, yeah, it, it, it's weird because I feel like in, in my returning leagues – because Machado was one of the few shortstops that was thrown back in the pool because he was disappointing last year, um, that he still, he was like in some leagues, he was going for a lot because there was that scarcity at shortstop and he was going for too much. And then I feel like in, in other leagues, he was almost a discount where, where if there were other, if there were one or two other compelling shortstop options that people were overreacting to, the poor performance last year and and he was going like i mean eighteen dollars that's that's too cheap for machado yeah i would i I would i would really hype him from a perspective of he he might be a discount at this point really disappointing uh everyone auto new players especially you know really factor in the park and uh, you might be able to find a discount there not necessarily i mean i i I agree with you chat if you're paying 33 dollars for him like i'm not sure you're getting much value out of that but if you can find him in the mid twenties, like I, I'd probably rather have him because I think you know there's a potential for a little bit of a bounce back and and I mean again it's it's a it's a shortstop filler for two seasons. It's pretty solid. Um, who else do you guys like up at that top? I mean, you, you mentioned a bunch of names there when we we're talking about Machado. Like we get down into the Baez Marte area. Like, how do you guys feel about those guys? I think one of Go ahead, Chad. Sorry. Yeah, I would say I think one of the things with shortstop is like there's like a dozen guys I like, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. it's it's uh, to me Lindor and Bregman are sort of a step above the rest. Then you get into sort of story is probably a tier on his own. Um, maybe t- maybe it's story Torres and Bogarts, and then you get Machado, Marte, Baez, and then below that you still have guys like Simeon, Bichette. Um, I like Corey Seager. I don't. I don't think he's you know at that level, but I'm I'm happy to own him at the price he's going for. Yeah, I'm gonna roster him at the price he's going for, and then it drops off, and and it gets a little bit ugly after that. But like, there's a bunch of those guys. There's enough. There's enough that everybody can have a good starting shortstop in a new league. Is that what you think about it? Or well, I think we're we're we're, this is sort of if we usually talk strategy a little later, but I think we can jump to it now because you're you're starting to touch on it, but. Across shortstop, second base, and middle infield, you really need you obviously need your three starters, but you really need like five guys. Right. And like I like to go in, I like to have two shortstops, two second basemen, and one other guy. And usually there's enough overlap there that I actually end up with three of each through those five players. Um and while there's I think some depth at the top of the shortstop position, I think if you're not willing to pay for one of those eight to ten to twelve, whatever they are, top shortstops, um, you can't really build an effective middle infield. I just don't see it. I don't think there's enough talent at second base or enough 
talent lower down and shortstop that you can get away without one of those guys and still have a top middle infield performance for your league. And so I think you have to go after one of those guys. I don't see how you don't. Um, and I look at like, you know, the leagues, I've got a couple teams I didn't draft, but I look at the teams that I drafted. Um, I have Lindor as my shortstop on two of the three. And then the third, which is the first year league that, that we just drafted, Justin, I've got Simeon. Um, and I wish I had actually spent a little bit more at shortstop. In that yeah, I was going to ask, is Simeon, is Simeon like the floor of that for you? Or is he even below the floor in terms of like what you really want to get to out of your shortstop? I don't think he's the floor. I just I I really like to have a like a like a surefire top tier. Like I I paid for Lindor in my other leagues, right? That's what I right. do at shortstop, and so um. But and I'm fine with Simeon. It's not it's not a problem that he's my shortstop by any means. Uh, it's just um. It's a position where I think it, you have to spend because I think if you don't spend, you not only end up in a in a tough spot at shortstop, but your middle infield ends up being really weak and your depth there is really weak, and it can get it can get ugly. And, and m- the middle infield spot is a spot where you can lose a league, I think, because it's a, like that third middle infield spot is a spot where if you don't have if you don't have a good enough shortstop and, and talent enough at second base all of a sudden the guy you're starting in middle infield can be really weak and it, you can you can lose a league that way and i think the, i think the other factor too is like if you're if you're going into a season and you and you look at eligibilities you know you've you've got a player pool for corner first first and third base you've got a player pool for second and shortstop you're going to have more players gaining eligibility at first and third and outfield than you will during right. the year gaining second base and shortstop. So securing those players early in the year is so vitally important. Um, and Chad's right. Like I agree hundred percent with everything you just said, Chad, where you, you can definitely really put yourself in a hole if you don't have a, a quality middle infield trio. And I think paying for a shortstop is definitely part of that process. Now, I think you still need to be price sensitive. I don't think you you should be overpaying just to get one because it's, you, it's you a catch twenty two, right? If you didn't say that. <laughs> well, of course, yes. I mean, that's that's on brand for me. But I think the the specifically with shortstop though is yes, you need to you need to leave the auction probably with one of these top twelve or thirteen guys. But the good news is, is there are twelve or thirteen really good quality guys. So if you don't have to choose one of them and then overpay, you can just sort of wait as soon as one of them goes for a price you like then pounce and then you've got a shortstop that you feel good about and then you can get another second you know middle tier guy um and and i think that you know if you double tap shortstop that's what i did in this first year league we just did chad with with the food and travel league um i own bogarts and and bichette and to me i feel like i have two top 12 shortstops right off the bat and i'm happy with that i don't own a third but I don't need to own a third I'm, I'm, unless both of them get hurt and then I have to scramble to find another shortstop. Um, I'm happy owning those two and filling shortstop and the middle infield position with those two players. And you alluded to it already, but I agree with you on that point as well. That, sh- that second base to me is a lot less interesting and less deep in some respects than the shortstop position is. So, Yeah, and I think, I mean, th- th- that point of, you know, wait for the guy who comes at a price that you, you feel good about. That's how I ended up with Simeon as my starting shortstop in that league. Right, it's like if I go and he is two, four, six, eight. He's the tenth highest uh, salary shortstop, actually tied for tenth with Bo Bichette. Um, 
and I think he's I think he's underpaid relative to the position for that league uh, as a result. And not only is he tenth, but um, there's a really clear tier that he is not part of. So there's a top like that league. There's a forty five dollar Bregman, forty one dollar Lindor, thirty nine dollar Torres at the top. Then you've got sort of a a thirty ish dollar group of Bogarts, Machado, Tatis, Marte, Correa um, from 30, 30, 29, or 28 among those guys. And then there's a drop down to 22 with Simeon and Bichette. And like, that was it. That was where the, the drop off happened for whatever reason there. And that was where I was like, you know what? This is going to be the best value of those guys. And so I agree with you. But I think had I said, oh, Simeon is really, you know, he's... $21, not 22 so I'm going to hold off. And then I'm going to end up with like, um, I don't know who I would end up with <laughs> beyond that. Like, then I feel like I'm missing out. And then I don't know how I put together a, a competitive league winning middle infield. Um, but I didn't think I had to go out and spend the 40 plus to get the stud at the top. I just needed to spend enough to feel like I've got a guy I can lock into shortstop for 60 games and feel good. Right. Yeah, and I think that's the way to go. I mean, I we, we we all have our favorites, and if there's a guy you really want, okay. But there's so much depth that I think you can you can sort of do both things, like focus in on a couple guys you really want to own, have a price that you're willing to pay, and if they exceed that price, no, be pretty comfortable in a first year league, is which is what we're mostly talking about right now. Be pretty comfortable that there's going to be another option that you can you can transition to as a as a contingency plan. So. The the doubling up on shortstop is an interesting one for me. I'm I'm I don't know. This is where I'm now. I'm going back again and again. Look at the leagues where I drafted, and I'm not sure I've really done that um, at all. Because I don't. I, I think there's enough sort of sleeper value or, or value outside of those guys. Like I look at my 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 middle infield are shortstops in all three of those leagues that I drafted. Um, one of them is Jorge Polanco, who I who I don't necessarily think qualifies as a sleeper, but does qualify as a guy who uh, is closer to that tier of twelve than I think he's valued. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but because there's guys like him, and then as we start talking about sleepers, there's enough sleepers at the shortstop position that I don't feel the need to to go in and and pay twice. And yeah, I, I can't think that I've done that at any point recently. Um, I, I will say that it wasn't it wasn't necessarily an intentional thing on my end. I think it was a function of mostly, honestly, second base pricing in that league. That it it was a it was which is part of what we're talking about, right? Where right. I, I said, you know what, I I don't like the second base pricing. I'm going to get locked out completely. So I know I'm going to have sort of a, a poor second base situation. Um, so I'd rather not have to fill two positions at second base. I need to get a quality shortstop to fill in there. So um, I think it was more a function of that. Because looking at my teams, yeah, I, I don't often it, – it doesn't look like I have a, a, another team with that same setup where I have a, a two, at least of that quality. Like I have one team with a Marcus Semien and Jorge Polanco um, as a duo, but that's not the same as, as a, you know, really double tapping at the top. So I have another one with Bo Bichette and Jorge Polanco. Again, the same thing. It's a, sort of a different range. But yeah, P- um, Polanco is a, actually a, an awesome target for your second shortstop slash middle infielder because I think he's, like, if I look at the average values in first year leagues, he's going to be in the 15, actually lower than that, he's in the 19 
range. Um, his his first year league average value is two spots below Wander Samuel <laughs> Franco. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, uh, well, that's because the 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 Wander hype is I know. Hype. Yeah, um, he's also below Adalberto Mondesi, who I would guess is is. Uh, that's probably not the case in in points in four by four leagues. Yeah, that's um, driven. That's driven by five by five value for sure. Yeah, but he's he's below Corey Seager, who I, I don't know that he should be below. I think Seager maybe has more upside, but there's a lot more risk there. He's below Gavin Lux and Franco. We just talked about like there's you're paying for a lot of hype there. Um, and he's also below Jonathan VR, who also is probably inflated by five by five. And so maybe you know maybe Polanco's actually a little bit higher. Maybe there's a couple spots there. He's more like 17th instead of 19th in, in a points league or four by four. And if that's the case, maybe that's more of a fair spot for him. Um, but still at, at $12, 12 to $13 average salary, like I'm thrilled to pay that for him. Yeah. I mean, looking at, looking at the surplus calculator values for fan points, Polanco is the 15th shortstop right behind Seager and Bichette and ahead of, Didi and and Paul DeJong. Um, so, I mean, I think he's, it's interesting. And in Anu, I feel like we, and because I am so price sensitive, oftentimes, one of the things that I try to key in on are these guys that are just not exciting for whatever reason. Like, in general, the market just doesn't really care and they don't overprice and they don't overhype. And I feel like Polanco is, is one of those guys where you're going to get a solid. I don't, I mean, if he's my shortstop one, I don't mind. I mean, I'm not happy about it, but if he's my, my top shortstop, I, I'm okay with that because I know he's going to be dependable. Uh, I've got and a I, stud at second base, and I've got him as my starting right. shortstop, and I've got another middle infielder who's awfully close to that. You could maybe get away with it, but it put, but I think if he's your number one shortstop, yeah, you can. It's it can be acceptable, but you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself with those other middle infield spots. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong, but it's. I, it was more a comment on 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 him than it was about you know the strategy of waiting that yeah. long to have your first shortstop. So I agree. I think people have not adjusted to how good he's been. Yep. Um, which I think gets into starting to think about who are your who are some of your sleepers at at shortstop. Who are those other guys that people just aren't quite recognizing the value? Um. We, we kind of already mentioned the two that I had listed here. Um, you know, Marcus Semyon, not a sleeper in the traditional sense, but more in, in the matter of, okay, he was excellent last year. He was third um, in, in total points and Fangraphs points leagues last year. And I think he's he's still going as the, t- what, 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th shortstop in most of these leagues. Um, I don't think he's being paid enough for, for what his performance justifies and what his projections justify, frankly. Um so not a not a, I mean, I, people have heard of Marcus Semyon. He would just had a great year, but I think they're just they're not buying into it enough. Um, Bo Bichette is a sleeper in a different way, where I feel like he's a hyped guy and he's going for a lot in a lot of leagues. Like I just paid twenty two dollars for him in that league that we were talking about, and which is the same price you paid for Semyon. And frankly, I'd rather have Semyon than Bichette at that same price. But to me, Bichette offers a ceiling that very few guys are going to have in that range where he could be a top three shortstop going into next year. I mean, I think he could have a massive breakout. So, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of think there's a couple of guys though in that range with like Simeon puts up another year, like he just did. And he's going to start to be mentioned in that top tier. 
Corey Seager puts up a full healthy season of what he's capable of, does he get mentioned in that tier? Because he's right around that price too. Like I think there's a couple of guys down there who I'd be I'd be awfully surprised if the top shortstop going into next year wasn't Lindor or Bregman. But after that, there's a lot of guys who I think could step up into that next tier. Yeah, I agree. Um, Niv, you've had a couple guys I think that you well, want. Well, I go, I go a little different. And, you know, I, I was quiet there for a minute because I just go a totally different way with team building than you guys. And, <laughs> and, 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 you know, given the pedigree of success, um, I'm, I'm really starting to question my own strategies here. But, um, you know, I, I really like Paul DeJong, especially in a short, in a short season. The guy's streaky as hell. Like we've all, like, you know, last year was, was, this, was like basically, um, a top three shortstop for a couple months and then basically crap. And, uh, you know, we're talking about a 60 game season. I, I, I think Paul DeJong, there's value to be found there. Um, generally when I build middle infields, like I think there are so many players that can sneak you a shortstop game. I, I totally agree that you need to have, um, as many players with that shortstop eligibility as you can roster. Um, and I think, you know, three or four makes a lot of sense just for the flexibility. But, but sort of when you find that, like when you're going through this list of players, there's a lot of guys who sneak a shortstop eligibility that, um, that obviously have value because of that. But you can put together like a pretty interesting middle infield that won't sink your team. And, the, and I guess that's the reverse of uh, what Chad was saying. Chad oh. is saying middle infield, uh, it's not just a don't sink. It's a literally like elevate your team. Uh, out of production there because there are top guys and there's production to be had at shortstop right now. We're in this little bit of a uh, golden age of shortstops, right? When we talk about the top guys that we were talking about. And then for me, I'm looking at middle infield and this might be, this might be colored by being in between like those late nineties shortstops, early 2000 shortstops. And now where like middle infield was a don't sink place. It was like, just get enough production in there that your big bats can be big bats and your big production can be big production and you can get you can get it in other places. And again, this is coming from a roto perspective, like a four by four perspective where uh, you can um, make up production in a sense that you can't do in points. Um, so for me, my middle infield in in our league in League One is uh, Nick Ahmed for three dollars, uh, Paul DeJong for what is that of eight. eight. Yeah, and then Gavin Lux for ten, which is obviously a little bit of a uh, a hype price for Gavin Lux, but I've had him for a little while, and I think he got Arb last year or something. So, so and and then there's also you also have like a cheap as Drupal Cabrera in that middle infield. Um, There's Garrett Hampson who can like steal a couple games, maybe, Um, and you know these are guys. It, it might work a little bit better in a 60-game season because of all the stuff we've talked about in the previous episodes about uh, finding at-bats and being able to construct uh, a matchup-based um, offense. But for me, like, you know, when we, we're going through that list, like, those top 10 guys can cost a lot of money. And then after that, there's still a lot of guys that do not totally crush you. And I might be under... And, I, and you know, now thinking about a little bit, I might be underrating like the difference between what you get from a Paul DeJong at like $8 versus what you get for like a $25 Machado that I was talking about earlier, or even, you know, more importantly, a $30, uh, top tier guy, uh, you know, story or whatever, Trevor story, who 
Um, obviously, is a great uh, power option in middle infield. But for me, like, I'd rather spend my money other places. But that that might just be a function of the fact that like I, I haven't wrapped my head around how much production you can get out of those top five or six guys. Yeah, I'll be curious at the end of the year to look at how your team um, ranks in League One by a sort of production by position. Because, like, I think you're in real, like, Goldschmidt's a perfectly fine first baseman. Donaldson's a great third baseman. I really like your outfield. Like, you've, you haven't spent a ton at outfield other than Harper, but then you've got Fran Mil Reyes and Castellanos and Kepler and Rosario, and you've got. Um, you just have an interesting team yeah, that I think you're going to get a lot of production out of a lot of spots. And I, I think you're not going to get enough out of your shortstop. And right. And so that's the question is like, will like, obviously there is upside to some extent, not necessarily at a $10 price, but in the absolute sense, there is upside to Gavin Lux. There is upside to Paul DeJong. And, and that's sort of the way I w- approach the team building. So, when I'm talking about sleepers, though, like I'm looking for guys like like Garrett Hampson is a great example. Like where you snag him for a dollar post auction, and you get five games out of him at shortstop. You can slap him into a couple other places. Like he's a, he's a middle infielder. He has outfield eligibility. Like I look for flexibility in in these positions, but that might just be because I'm again underrating the absolute production. Because obviously, where you look, where I spent money for absolute production, it's Strasburg and. And uh, Bryce Harper, right? It's yeah. It's it's like more standard position starting pitcher outfield, like, and 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 that might be like a real uh, a real traditional way of thinking about it, and a less like like less recognizing the strength of shortstop in twenty twenty. You know, I think the, um, the sleeper. Do you guys have? A, do you have any other sleepers? Yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, say. the sleeper who stands out for me. Um, Didi Gregorius is the 27th shortstop by average value in first-year leagues. His average value where he's rostered is uh, $5.65. And he's a guy who, like, I I feel like I'm missing something. Because to me, he could easily be a top-10 shortstop. Um, and obviously, you know, last year was a lost year for him. But you go back to 2018, he was ninth in total points at shortstop. He played 134 games, and so he was 7th in points per game at shortstop in 2018. And like, I don't know if people just like forgot about him because he barely played or if um, people really think he's going to fall off that much or just don't believe he was ever that good. Like, I, I don't get it. But to me, uh, if I could have Gregorius as my, uh, my second or at that price, third shortstop right. and have him as a guy who might end up as a, who I think next year could be going into seasons as a top 10 guy. Like, yeah, I am all over that. Um, and I, I am actively targeting him in, in drafts because I just don't understand the pricing on him. It just seems totally off by an order of magnitude. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know that I'm willing to to say that the upside is is as high for Didi, but I I still think he's undervalued. So even without thinking that he's got a top ten upside, um, he's he's a bargain. I think it's I think it's mostly it's it's being injured. I mean that always seems to have an effect. We're we're out of sight, out of mind, um, and and I think it doesn't help that he moved away from the Yankees. You know, so he's not getting that that Yankees bump. Um, you know, he's in Philly now. And 
I think it's that combination that that again puts him in that 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 frame of player that I was talking about before. That's just kind of not exciting, and those guys tend to go for less than they should sometimes because nobody wants to be the one to plus one Didi Gregorius because there's there's a lot more exciting names out there, but. You need guys like that to, to fill a position, especially if you're at need at shortstop. And we've talked how much in this episode about, you know, how invaluable it is to have at least two good options at the position. Um, he's a great second shortstop with upside. Not as much upside as Chad thinks he has, but I think he still has a little bit enough so to be a, like a top 12 or 13 guy. You know, he's getting paid. Like you said, I mean, I mean, 27th. Is that really how, how low he is? At shortstop, that's a, that's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. Yeah, yeah I, see, I see him as less than seven dollars uh, average salary, and I mean that's last ten. I mean, like, yeah, he's he's getting paid very bargain bargain basement prices for a starting shortstop. Like he's going to get at bats. Like he's going to play. Yeah, and I'm just looking right now at what I have him at the the circle plus calculator values. I think he was. In that sixteen or seventeen range, let me see. Yeah, yeah so if just, you're talking I'm like curious a, why you don't think he has upside beyond like why does he not have top ten upside given where he was in 2018? Well, I, because, I, to be clear, I'm writing off last year to some extent, right? Like it was a obviously not a very good year for him. Well, okay, he's he's 30 years old. His career WRC plus is under 100, so he's he's been a basically at 98. He's basically been a league average hitter. He's moving away from Yankee Stadium. Like, yes, he he had that season in 2018, but I think that was his career year. Yeah. I don't I don't see that being in a reasonable range of outcomes for this year. Now that doesn't mean he's not like maybe a 110-115 WRC plus guy potentially, but I don't think he's going to put up a 350 weighted on base and and he'd have to to be in that mix. Um that you're that you're talking about at that top ten shortstop because we've we've talked about how deep that position is and there are a lot of other names up to, and they're all guys that are going to be in that three fifty Wolga range so that's mostly yeah. it it's just I think that he had a career year right and, it might just he's be not the depth that, that the depth at yeah, shortstop was, is what's beating you there the tenth best shortstop by total points in two thousand seventeen as well. And he did that in 136 games. So there's some guys ahead of him. He was certainly ninth, probably eighth, at least in the much... top eight by points per game, unless there's something I'm missing. I, Do you think Schwarzkopf just... is better in 2020 than it was in 2016 or 2017? It could be. Uh, it could maybe. I mean, a lot of the names are similar, I would think. But Lindor and, I mean, not Bregman, but Lindor... It's gotten well, better, Lind- I think. Yeah, 2017, Lindor was, the in, t- in terms of total points, I'm not looking at points per game right now, but he was the top shortstop. Um, <laughs> Elvis Andrews was second, uh, which is something. Okay, think, so there you go. <laughs> then, then Corey Seager, Alex Brad- Bregman, Manny Machado. Uh, that was that was Chris Taylor's really big year. Correa, Andrelton Simmons, Xander Bogarts, then Didi. Um Tim Beckham had a good year that year. That was his good year. Then Segura, Story, uh, DeJong is a couple spots lower. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I tend to Maybe agree with Justin on this. Up. The position's grown up a little, and TD coming off like coming off like a lost season, and Philadelphia is not, I don't know. I, I never, never want to get a reclamation project that's going to Philadelphia, man. I, it just seems like a tough town to try to rebound in and 
And, and, and yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys up there now. Would I advocate for spending more than what his average salary is going for? I probably would. Uh, probably by like maybe up to 2x, right? Like $12, $13. You're not really unhappy with Didi Gregorius on your team at that price. But I understand why people aren't doing a plus one on him. And it's, you know, to Justin's point, less exciting. But also, like, that's a heavy plus one to be like, I believe Didi Gregorius at 30 years old is going to bounce back from like a totally lost 29 year old year and, you know, on the wrong side of the age curve now, right? If, if we're really thinking about it. I'm mashing that plus one button. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I, I, I'm looking at, so like I have, and, and unfortunately I don't have this for 2018 and 2019, but I did retrospective fan graph points, dollar values. And if I look at 2017, uh, DD was the 13th shortstop. So to me, that's, that's kind of in the range that that's I would where be looking at. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you wanted to say that that's, you know, maybe maybe 11, 12, 13 in that range as, as an upside. But he's, like Chad said, he's being paid as the 27th, and the surplus calculator has him um, at 17th. So, I mean, if he's if he's the 17th best shortstop and you paid 27th best shortstop price to get him, you're, you're making a profit all day, every day. So... Yeah, I think that's, I think that is, that is part of it for me. And part of the reason I'm, I'm paying for him where I can is, um, I don't think there's any downside. <laughs> I right, just right. Think, like, Cause I think I'm paying for his floor. Right. Cause I think that's the point I'm making is, is even if I don't believe he has the upside that Chad does, it doesn't matter. He's still a good, a good sleeper. Yeah, He's I still mean, a great price, value, right? Like price. even without that upside. And then if you do think he has that upside, then it's a no brainer slam dunk. Yes, I agree. Do you want to talk about busts real quick? We probably should. <laughs> there there um, are some, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think this this ties in really closely to what you were saying about Bregman at the beginning of the episode, Chad. Uh, for me, Correa, I, I, I don't want Correa on my team. I think he's being paid at a price that just doesn't allow him to to even like it's just unfair expectations is what his price is right now you know um like he i have him on this sheet here that i'm looking at as the fifth highest paid shortstop and that's just not fair like he's he's not he, his production is not going to match that and if you add in the houston stuff i think when we're talking about bregman versus correa like I'm less worried about Bregman and I'm a little bit more worried about Korea from that perspective. And I know that's like a very narrow perspective, but in a 60 game season, it only takes like eight or nine hits to like really transform what your season is. Right. So, right. so for me, Korea is a guy that I just wouldn't want to touch. I think the thing with Korea is like, he's had five major league seasons now. And one of those seasons he was, he was as productive in 2017. He was as productive as, his price would justify it. A 390 on base. He had a 550 slugging. Um, he had 24 home runs. Like he was worth that money. Other than that, he's he's put up slugging. Like he's only been, I don't know, okay. Like he's been good. He hasn't. He just hasn't been great. And in 2018, he wasn't even really that good. He was had a 323, uh, 405 line. Like he just wasn't that special. And then on top of that. He's broken 110 games once. I guess he's he's played 110 one time. He's gotten over 110 once. Now, 
maybe this year he doesn't have enough time to get hurt until he plays the full season or something like that. But like, I think there's a real chance with him that like the floor just isn't baked in at all. Right. It's I mean, just, I you're think paying, you're paying for what people think he's capable of instead of paying for what he's actually done and what might happen. Yeah. I, go ahead, Justin. I, I was just gonna say, like the ceiling. I don't think you can dispute the ceiling with Correa. I mean, it's 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 massive. But I I'm I'm right there with you, Chad, on that. On it's the biggest thing is a playing time function. Is he's just been hurt and when you have just two seasons ago where he was so bad and relatively speaking in that season, that's a concern. Um, I, I mean, I, I think he's, I don't think he's going to be a, a big bust. I think he's going to be a very mild bust, but it, it's all about that, that pricing. I mean, if he's being paid, like he's a top three right. or four shortstop, it's just not, to me, that's not reasonable. I, I would want him on this lower sheet, in I, that range. On this sheet, I have his uh, overall average in the thirties, but his last 10 in, in the mid twenties, and it sounds like the last 10 is getting a little bit closer to what maybe Justin, you'd be willing to pay for me. Obviously I've made it clear that I only want bargain basement <laughs> shortstops. So, um, but, I, I, but I mean, maybe, maybe 23, 24 is more right, but there needs to be a price adjustment for Korea for me, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm all in, in the mid 20, even the, even the upper twenties, um, I'd be in on Korea, but he's he, oh. mostly, he's just wasn't going for that. His, he was going much his higher. Average, his average value in first year leagues is 23. Is, right. is it really it's, that? It's, it's, yeah. it's dropped a bit. So maybe there is, because I'm maybe looking at the an overall, over, maybe there's an overcorrection. Yeah. Cause I'm looking at the overall average salary and he he's still mid thirties and he's like his, not his, first year leagues where there's a scarcity. His low is $6. Where did he go for $6 in a first-year league? Man, that's awesome. That, I will take Correa at $6. I will retract I'm my conversation about bust. What, I, now yeah, I want to look looking, and see what he is. Across my leagues, he, he, his low is 28. That was in our first-year league that we just drafted, Justin. He was for 28. And everywhere else, he is he's 37, 41. Yeah, see, those are the prices where I'm a, I'm a little Another 28. On. Yeah, so like I just and then thirty five. I, I changed the filter from all first year leagues to only Fangraphs points, and his his average salary jumps up to twenty, just a, a shade under thirty dollars, and his lowest yeah. salary is twenty six. So th- there must be a five by five artifact in there with that six dollar low price, and with the rest of the the average value being dragged down, because um, that hasn't been my experience in the leagues I've been, and I almost always, I mean, I pretty much play Fangraph points only. Um, he's been going more than I was willing to pay because if he was going for mid twenties, I would be buying him a lot more than I have been. Yeah. I wonder if in, in five by five, cause he actually like, he's not a low average guy. The only thing hurting him in five by five really is, uh, stolen bases. And I wonder if there's just too many people count on shortstop as a source of stolen bases in five by five. And so it's pulling his, his relative value at shortstop way down, maybe. Well, I I think the other factor with five by five is that the positional value just is not there. Like it, it doesn't matter as much that you're a shortstop in five by five as much as it does, especially in points in four by four. Yeah. Um, because there's just not as much. I mean, you have so many guys that steal base at shortstop that you can get your value in other ways. That there's very little positional you know differences between one position and the next in five by five outside of catcher. I think the 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 argument in in favor of Correa, and I think it's one thing that I need to remind myself of when I talk about him, is uh, he won't 
turned 26 for three months, two months, something like that. Yeah, yeah, he's still uh, very young. He's way younger than he should be for a guy who's been around as long as it seems like he has. Like, he seems like the elder statesman of that team outside of Altuve. It's like, oh, Altuve's been there forever, and then Correa's been around. Like, those are the veterans on that team. Yeah. And that's kind of true because he's been around so long, but he's a kid. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, real quickly, the other bus, and, and these are names that we've already talked about, but it sort of fits a theme for me where it's it's all these shortstops that two years ago were top of the world and now they're, they have some warts would be Corey Seager and Machado. I mean, we already talked about Machado at length, but Corey Seager is another one to me where the talent is there. Like, I'm not disputing that, that you know, that there's top three shortstop talent with Seager, but he has the same issue as Correa where he's had a lot of playing time that he's missed in the last two years. Um, the performance has not been there the last two years, uh, especially compared to early in his career. Um, so I think he's, he's another guy that in some leagues he, he goes at a fair price, but in a lot of other ones, he, the name brand recognition is, has bumped him up way too high. And I think he's, he's going to be a bust for anybody that paid, you know, as much as, as I've seen him go for in some leagues. Um, I'm trying to look and see what his first year price is right now, but um, you know he's a guy that I think the the name is is better than the actual value right now. Yeah, I think that's probably I think that's probably true. Yeah, I think that that makes a lot of sense to me. It's sort of a echo effect of a past great a past great value season where someone had Corey Seager for like seven, and you're like. Man, that's awesome production there, and you're still paying for that. You know, right. you're you're auctioning for that. Well, in his in his first season, I mean, his it was a short season, but his rookie year, he was over a 400 weighted yeah. on base, and you know, and then the next full year that he had was a 372, but he hasn't he hasn't got close to that since then. So, right, um, I think people are still chasing that that dream from years ago, and he could get back to that point. It wouldn't surprise me at all because again, like Correa, he's younger than you think he is. He's still this is going to be his age 26 season as well. So, right. I mean, there's still potential there, but um, it's just, He's I, also, I mean, I, I'll keep, keep hammering this point. I mean, it's, it's price sensitivity for me. I, I just don't yeah, want to pay absolutely. $30 absolutely. for a guy that, that is probably only worth 25. I think that the, the other thing that was Seager that I think is, I think he's, uh, I think he has a reputation for being injury prone, similar to Correa. And he's actually played mostly near full seasons. He lost 2018 almost entirely, only played 25 games. But his like 157, 145, 134 in 2016, 17, and 19. Um, and so I, I do think... I actually like Seager. Um, I think the price has to be right. I think you're right that he's, he's going for more than I'd like him to. Um, but I think he's an interesting player to roster... Because even his his lesser years after his rookie year, he put up really high on base numbers. Um, last year wasn't as good. I, I don't know. I don't know what direction that's going to head. But I think he's got like really really strong on base skills. He's been healthier than I think people realize. Um, and I still think there's a lot of potential in that bat. And so I'm. But I agree. It's it's a it's a it's a value play, and he's not being paid like a value play. Right. Yep, I think the, the and, and big guy for me at, at, at terms of value though is uh, is Tatis, right? And we've talked about we talked about this with with um, Vlad, Vlad, at third Vlad base. Jr. It's the exact same thing. 
and it's it's even it's maybe a little less extreme than it is with Vlad because Vlad wasn't good last year and right. and and Tatis at least was. Um but I feel like everyone's like, "Oh, he had like Fernando Tatis Jr. last year had a uh, a 398 woba. That's who he is." Instead of saying like it was half a season and he had a 410 BAPIP and a 32% home run per fly ball rate and all of those nut like Yeah, it's not kid, even just that's what he is. It's and he's a kid, right? Right. So you're like, maybe there's upside. And I mean, come on. Like, what are we talking about here? That's a lot to ask of anybody. Yeah. And so I think he's gonna be like I think he's gonna be an excellent player. I think he's gonna have a really good, nice long career, and I think he's gonna be uh a solid top. 10 to 12 shortstop this year. And I just cannot see paying him. Um, he's going for his first year lease. He's going for almost 35, 34, $35. Uh, and uh, you know, he's fifth in average value. One of the guys ahead of him is Trey Turner, who I imagine is not ahead of him. If you don't, if you take out five by five, um, I'm not. I'm not paying that for him. I'd rather have Glaber Torres, who's going for two or three dollars less. I'd rather have Xander Bogarts, who's going for four or five dollars less. Um, I'd probably rather have Cattell Marte, who's going for six or seven dollars less. Uh, and it's so I'm like, you know, there's a lot of people in second, third, fifth year leagues who've got Tatis, who got hit by ARB, but maybe is in the eighteen to twenty dollar range instead of the thirty five dollar range. And that's great. And I'd be thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to have him as my shortstop at that price. Uh, but, man, I don't know. I just think he's getting paid way too much. Yeah, I mean, for the bus stuff, it's not this guy's going to fall off a cliff. I'm predicting that. It's absolutely price sensitivity, right? And it's Tatis. I'm not I'm not really using someone else's money for that because it's – it's also just like you, if you if you snag him at at thirty five dollars in your auction, uh, you're throwing him back. <laughs> just like just no way you're not throwing him back, and that's just given the age and the profile. Like it's just not what you want to be doing with the, that kind of player. Yeah, I mean, just an example in in uh, League Six Seventy, which is a Saber Points League. I'm in. Um, I went into the off season with a bunch of talent at middle infield or as I felt like I had a bunch of talent at middle infield I had Lindor Polanco and Tatis all at shortstop um, all at prices I was comfortable with and I was able to trade Tatis a $12 Tatis um, after Arb for a $16 Tommy Pham a $7 Nick Solak and a $4 Luis Robert it's like I Tatis is a great value but like I, I was ecstatic to get that amount of return for that value. I've, I've, I've strengthened myself uh, significantly in the outfield, plus got a replacement at middle infield in Solak, um, who I think has a lot of upside. I just think his, his, uh, his reputation and his name are just outpacing what he's actually going to produce. Yeah, I agree with all that. I don't really have anything more to add on that. I think he's, he has a, He's an interesting guy because I think the hype was massive last year, and 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 I kept waiting for the performance to to downgrade, and and it just didn't. So I think that's another thing that I think is stuck in people's mind is, well, you said last year he was he was paid too much and too hyped, and it and he was just as good as we thought he was going to be, and it's like okay, yeah, 
but it was driven by some things that just are not going to be sustainable. And if you're paying that price for, for expecting a, a recurrence of that performance, it's just not reasonable. So, which is, I mean, that's what, that's what Chad just said. I'm just repeating at this point. <laughs> um, you guys want to move on to prospects? Yeah. I, I mean, the big name obviously being Wander Franco, I mean, let, let, let me let me frame the question this way. We're, we're, we're all pretty much going to agree that Wander is the best shortstop prospect, considering he's the best pros, prospect in baseball overall. Yep. What would you be willing to pay in a first-year auction for Wander Franco? Not enough. <laughs> so what, like, I think, what would that – I mean, regardless of how much he will go for, whether you'd win him is, or not at the price, how much would you pay for, for Wander Franco? This is such a weird year, and it's it a great question. that. Yeah, right. Maybe, because maybe. well, yeah, this this is probably not the I'm best. Just, like this year, I don't want to pay for guys. We've talked about this in some of the past episodes. I really don't want to pay for guys who are not going to produce this year. And I don't no, think he's no going to do dev. this year. Yeah, he's just going to sit at home, right? I mean, okay, so it's the only way to make that an interesting question then is to say, assume that that 2020 in an alternate universe where COVID didn't happen, this was a normal year. Heading I into wish the that season, we lived in that universe. <laughs> well, so do I. Like, let's pretend that we do. <laughs> How much are you paying for Wander Franco? How much for for a pretty near ETA consensus top prospect shortstop? So it's realistically his ETA is what middle of next year. Yeah, I think so. He wasn't coming up he, this year. Well, I mean, I think that's. Oh, I think he was listen. coming up this year. I absolutely think he was coming up you this do? year. Two. Yeah. It's interesting. All right, all right. So what's the number? I guess like I I would nine to eleven dollars. Like I think maybe a little bit more than that because. I just don't like. I, I don't like paying for a guy. I don't like paying for it in a way that like assumes top fifteen, major league immediately, and that's and that's limiting, right? That's like just limiting, in terms of what I'm willing to spend. I don't think nine to eleven dollars gets him in any league right now. Like I, you know, if he goes for auction, I'm not even sure I would go that high. I think. Um I look at him like he he made it to high A last year, which was which is great. Uh, he put in about half a season there. Um, he did the basic things he does well, like he walked a lot, he didn't strike out a lot, he put the bat on the ball. He did not show much power at all at that level. Um, and so I think there's still more development that needs to be there. And so I don't think he was going to be up this year. I think had he gone to double A this year, I think he would have... I think you would have seen him struggle and continue to need to develop that power. And I think the Rays would have given him some time to do that. And I, I think he would have been up next year. Um, and so I'm starting to think about like, what would I want to pay him next year for a partial to maybe right. almost full season of production. And then I'm thinking I might be happy to go into next year with him at eight to $10, which means I have to pay him seven to $9 this year, but he's going to get some arbitration, which means really, I'm looking at five, six bucks. And so I'm going to own him nowhere. Um, right. I'm not even going to be close. <laughs> What's your answer to the question, Justin? Um, I, I probably would have said something like $8, where it's enough that I might have a chance at winning him, that, that it's um, reflective of, I think, what his value is as the number one prospect in, in baseball and with a ton of hype. Um but also low enough, like like Chad suggested, that I might actually see some return out of that beyond just trading him. Um, like two weeks and, ago, you spent ten dollars on him. 
I did. But for the context, yes, you're absolutely right. For the context there, though, I didn't prep for that draft at all, and I just was winging it. So, and and yes, if, if it had been normal Justin drafting in that league, I never would have spent $10. I wouldn't have even placed a bid on, on Wander Franco in that league. Um, but I was just having fun. So that I was just trying to own a lot of the guys that I, I also own Jan, you know, Mancata and, and a, a handful of other guys that I normally wouldn't even get near um, because I just, that was like, what I, I chose like to, to roster do them somewhere. So I was right. This is, this is my fun league and I'm just going to try this out and, and I'm going to buy into the hype. I also bought Julio Rodriguez for $8 in that league. So, I mean, I was just clearly <laughs> just a mad lad and was just doing whatever I wanted. So, um, but the, the the advice that I would reasonably give to other people is no, I wouldn't spend, especially this year. And, and yes, we can't just pretend that, that the, the situation isn't what it is. Um, but even if it weren't, I probably wouldn't have gone higher than eight dollars for for Wander Franco. But he's he's give, not he's not the shortstop prospect I would spend the most on, though. Interesting. So who would it be? Wow. How I don't know. Is that even a thing? He's the number one prospect in baseball. You guys aren't. I mean, I. Well, I guess that's how you define prospect, but Gavin Lux is still a prospect. Right. And okay. He's going to produce at shortstop this he's year. He's actually playing. And this I would year. absolutely pay more for Gavin Lux right now today than I would for Wander Franco. It's not even a question for me. Yeah, I think it's cheat. I mean, I know I put Lux on my sheet as uh, as a prospect here, but I think that's cheating. I, I really do. I mean, like, <laughs> he started last year. Like, he's a he was a Major League Baseball player last year. And, like, I know technically he's a prospect, but. But I mean, he's not technically he is a prospect. <laughs> he, he, it's not like uh, he, he had eight, he had eighty two plate appearances last year. He, he started, played twenty three games. He started baseball games for a major league baseball team last year. I feel like that's you know the next episode is we're not covering second base. The next episode, we're just going to be a semantics episode. We're going to define all these yeah, things, yeah. <laughs> and, and and so we're all on the same page. Does Gavin Lux count as a prospect or not? Yeah, but, but your point is taken. I mean, Lux will be with a big league club. He has a he has a job this year that that is above that that is obviously puts him head and shoulders above anyone who is staying home this year, and or I, even I, on a sixty man roster that may not get as much run. And I think I said before that I would have wanted to get Franco in like the five to six, maybe seven dollar range. Like Carter Keyboom is in that range for me too. Yeah, that was another name I had listed. Yeah, yeah. Keyboom is is, is the he other a prospect, Niv? He's definitely a prospect, and and he might he might come up this year, right? I mean, he might come up with the club this year. They, I think they, they, they he's going to be the starting third he's base. the starting third baseman. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. I mean, because just so they, it's clear, he played eleven games and had forty three plate appearances for the Nationals last year. Yeah, but that's so that's a cup of coffee. I mean, Gavin Lux was on my auto new team last <laughs> so, year. So. so where's the where's the line between <laughs> forty and eighty plate appearances that moves a guy from cup of coffee to no longer a prospect? I would say fifty three. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you want to hear? No, yeah. I mean, Kiboom, Kiboom uh, obviously has the job. Yeah. Though, though there's so much depth on that Nationals team that like having a starting job there isn't as meaningful as it'd be at other te- for other teams. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it's about time they. I mean, they've been they've been really holding that card for a while. It's been three years straight of maybe Kiboom's ready, and this year they're finally just pulling the plug or whatever, however you'd say it, executing that program. So that's that's nice to see. Um, that's how you would say it. That's how I would say it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a, a, another guy that sort of fits in this category of guys that are technically prospects, but are you know probably going to see a lot of time this year is Nico Horner for the Cubs. Yeah, yeah um, great I, call. I, I I don't know that. I mean, he's below Lux for sure. He might be some you know in the same range as, as Carter Kaboom is, but 
Um, he's another guy. And I don't know how his playing time might shake out with, with what's going on in Chicago. Um, I, they keep talking yeah, I about like, the lineup I like and I, I don't know that I like more. it. So I like even more than I like, uh, Horner, but I agree. They're sort of in a similar range. I, I don't, I mean, is, is, is Horner, is he the second baseman? If it's not Kipnis, is that sort of the, that, that was my hope. Um, that he would win the second base job, but it seems like the buzz is not that he's not going to win the second base job, and I don't get it. I, I would, I would rather start Horner and then just have Kipnis be the veteran backup that can fill in if if Horner falls on his face. But yeah, I mean, I'm looking. It looks like it's like a Kipnis David Bode, Bode Bode Boat. How do you pronounce his name? I don't even know. Bode. Bode. David Bode. Jason Kipnis platoon at second base is what roster resource is suggesting, which. I don't know if you can hide Kipnis against lefties, which for years the Indians have refused to do. They refused to uh, do. He's, he's still a very capable player, I think. But I agree. I, I think uh, the challenge for, for Horner might be that um, the season may not be long enough for the Cubs to decide to react to anything. <laughs> because, you you know, you're all of a sudden you're like 25, 30 games in, the season's half over, and are you how confident are you that something isn't working or needs to be improved. So who knows what's going to happen, but I I have to imagine he's going to play. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I guess, uh, you know, with Lux and Horner and Keyboom, we're talking about guys who have outlooks for jobs. So, but, but I mean, what's Wander going for in leagues? Like he's an expensive player already, right? Or not expensive, but. Yeah. Oh, he absolutely is. I mean, fourteen dollars is his average right. salary in first year league. That's very expensive for a guy who's not gonna see a pitch this year. His his high is twenty nine dollars. Somebody paid twenty nine dollars for him. Man, yeah, that's as, nuts. As we're talking about shortstops, I think um, that we also need to talk about like shortstop is always a deep prospect position because you got a bunch of guys who are eventually gonna be third baseman or eventually be second baseman or move to the outfield or whatever. Yeah. Um, but there's this whole class of guys in Wit, Abrams, Luciano, Mauricio, um, coming up, and there's a ton of talent there. I see them going everywhere, and to me, all of those guys are still too far away. And I, I am not, I am not looking to to spend on any of them. I actually, I think I cut a Bobby Wit recently. I should check that. I think that's a true story. It does sound familiar. Um, yeah, there's all. I mean, that's where that's where the prestige prospects come up, right? Right. So that makes sense to me. I, I think that's a, a fair way of looking at that position from a prospect perspective. Yeah, you cut you cut him last July in League One. Yeah, because I mean, well, if you look at my history throughout League away. One. If you look at the history throughout League One, though, like uh, it's a great example of what you're talking about. I've had shortstops out my nose because prospects come up there and they're hyped, but they end up being good, right? And with the one, like you can find value that isn't Wander Franco at a shortstop, like a the top shortstop on a team is probably going to become a baseball player, like a major league baseball player, right? It may not stick at shortstop, but they usually can hit and they can usually do things like. Like I've had Trevor Story as a prospect. I had Lindor as a prospect. I've had like, um, just a a wealth of riches. Like I had Bogarts as a prospect. Like you can find them, and then 
I don't know, maybe we've been lucky right now because we are living through, as we've talked about the whole episode, a really nice, deep uh, golden age of, of shortstops. But there's there is something about the pedigree of being able to stay at shortstop in the minors that makes you just like a really good baseball player. Yeah, I, I did. I cut wit about a week and a half ago. Uh, I had a $1 wit that I picked up an auction at the end of the auction because I needed to pick up somebody. Um, and I cut him a week and a half ago because I was just like, I needed guys who are going to produce now or at least guys who might produce in the next three years and decided to get we're talking about where we're on him. We're going to have a thing where next year there's going to be a big correction on a lot of prospects just because of the function of the way this year is going to play out. It's true. And I think, you know, there's going to be opportunity. I think if we had this exact same episode in a year or hopefully not in a year in like eight months when it's actually time to talk about this stuff, uh, it'll hopefully uh, you'll have some opportunity for some real values at prospect instead of looking at either spending $15 on a Wander Franco who's a year away or spending $12 on a bunch of guys who already have major league jobs, but we're calling prospects, right? So, so um, I don't know. I mean, they like, are prospects. they're all going to, it's going to be interesting. I think it's challenging to talk about prospects in general this year. And I think next year will be, you know, wit becomes more interesting next year at a dollar flyer than, than he is this year, that kind of thing. I'm, I'm just, and I don't want to harp on this too too long, but I'm a little bit surprised that um, you didn't end up trading away that wit. Like, did, did you did you not have nobody in your league was interested? And in, I feel like I had, one dollar, any one dollar prospects. Uh, usually, there's somebody out there that'll nibble on that. There was, there's not a lot of movement in that league right now. Um, I think just because of the the state yeah, of the world going on, and um, I, it's not like a super exciting guy. But I added Jake Lamb, and I needed a cut. And I'm I we you know we we talked about Lamb when we talked about third base. I'm a big believer in that bat. Uh, he's got a role now as a DH, and um, I decided yeah, and, I needed to make a move, and that was that was the move I could make. And I think again, when we're, we're like this is the year where we're really going to underscore like position flexibility and guys who get at bats over dollar flyer prospects that are three years out, right? Yeah, I I, 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 and I wonder about that too, that if if this had happened last year or if if in the alternate universe where COVID didn't happen this year, it might um, be a little different. Right, right. You might've been able to say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to cut wit unless somebody makes me an offer. And then somebody would have given you, you know, something that would have been better than lamb, you know, or at least something. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that's possible. He, he got added. I mean, he got picked up, um, for looks like he was added right away for two dollars. Yeah. Yes, he actually had picked up off waivers. What happened? I cut a two dollar. I wasn't a one dollar wit. I cut a $2 oh okay yeah yeah yeah. And he got claimed off waivers. I was I was misreading. Yeah, um, one dollar was the cap penalty. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe maybe somebody would give me something better. I don't know, but I think at the moment there was a guy I wanted to add. I looked at my roster, and when I look at my roster in that league, um. It's not that there aren't other guys that I have in that roster who I think are maybe less valuable in theory than Wit, but like honestly, like I kept Jordan Groshans instead of Wit. I think he's a more interesting prospect to to, to roster at this point given proximity. Um and and maybe that was a mistake, but the chance honestly I'll probably end up cutting him too before too long. Yeah. I yeah, I mean I think, you know, repeating this a little bit, but it's just very it's very hard to keep someone who isn't going to see pitches this year. And, um, I mean, you're going to have to find the exact right value and the exact right player if you're going to do that, I think. 
Yeah, and I, I think the only t- the only times that you're going to do that is somebody that's like a clear cut top twenty five prospect. You know, then maybe you could somewhat ignore ETA, but right, it'd have to be one of the really top guys. So, all right, well we're we're over an hour on the shortstop uh, <laughs> episode here, and we got sidetracked with some some definitions, but. Um, we will uh, we will transition over to second base on the next episode, and we'll keep this uh, positional series chugging along. So, uh, thank you for everybody who was listening, and uh, have a good one. Yeah.